Hi, ladies. Thank you for being leaders in your Bible study groups. Get your green highlighter and green pen so that you can underline some important statements and make notes to help you lead ladies in a meaningful discussion of God's Word. Let's delight in studying and sharing the precious words of the Lord to us. This is the Leader's Guide for Come Let Us Worship. I will be talking about Psalm 103 and... 105 and 106, starting on page 153, and uh, let's just, oh, I will be making a lot of extra comments for you to take notes on. I needed some sticky notes in my workbook for um, a place to write special uh, extra questions that you're going to ask. And um, I also will be telling you to highlight some things. So uh, get your supplies. You may need more than just your green highlighter. Um, so hopefully that will um, prepare you a little bit. So um, the middle of page 153, Psalm 103, is about the, um, us blessing the Lord for his benefits, praising him. So let's enjoy this psalm. It is wonderful. And at the bottom of page 153, you can um, see that there's just that phrase. It's an, uh, we're going to have an overview of the psalm. If you want to ask ladies for any comments of responses to this psalm, feel free to do that. Um, so on page 154, my page is very colorful. Um, I would encourage you to highlight, not necessarily with a green pen, but maybe so, um, in verses 1 and 2, the phrase, bless the Lord, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, and then look at the very bottom of the page, verses 20, 21, 22, that phrase is say, stated again, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul. I've highlighted that in orange, and it really stands out. Um, the first thing that I want us to do is ask, what does this psalm prompt us to do? That's the question. What does this psalm prompt us to do? Well, the answer is what I just had mentioned for you to highlight. So ask someone to read verses 1 and 2 off the page and read 20, 21, 22. In my mind, um, because of what I've highlighted, they could just read the at the end of the page 20, 21, 22, the bless the Lord. But they'll probably read all the way through the sentences and just let that happen. So someone will say, bless the Lord, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord, all you who are his angels, mighty in obeying his word. Bless the Lord, all you who are his hosts, serving him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all works of his in all places. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. So hopefully when someone does that, that's really going to emphasize the phrase that is repeated. And that's the point of this psalm. So that's the first thing we're doing. Now I have a comment for you. At the beginning, where the psalmist has written, bless the Lord, bless, bless the Lord, three times. I'm like, ah, oh, I think there's something special about when uh, 
when Jews say things three times, when Scripture says things three times. So yes, so here's a comment for you. To repeat something three times is a rhetorical device, and it is for an unusually insistent focal point. Well, that's clear, right? It's emphasizing that that's the, the point, the, the truth, the action. So it is a rhetorical device to get your attention. To repeat something three times also shows the superlative nature of something. Isaiah said when he saw the Lord, holy, holy, holy. So that's a, one of the uh, th- times in Scripture where we see something repeated three times. And you can see that the Lord is uh, holier than we can comprehend. So there is superlative in that. That is appropriate for bless the Lord as well. Wow. He is worthy of this blessing. He is the most worthy. He is worthy of, of blessing after blessing after blessing. And then one more thing about the um, thrice repeated phrase. Something that is done or said three times is considered permanent. So this is in the Jewish mindset, how they would see things. Um, And I just thought that was really interesting because um, how do we say, how do we apply that concept of permanence to this phrase of bless the Lord? To me, it just says, this is our attitude. It's true. It's constant. We're always in a state or always have the attitude of blessing the Lord, or we should always have the attitude of blessing the Lord. So this phrase is repeated three times in a row at the beginning and then three times at the end plus one. I'm like, it's pretty emphatic that we are too, and we have every reason to bless the Lord. Forget none of his benefits. So now we'll talk about those reasons. I suggest that you have one person read their answers for, uh, from the page, verse 3, 4, 5, and 6. Because you can see they all start with the same phrase. He is the one who. So that's going to be a segment for us to um, hear a chunk of um, parallels and emphasis on God and what he does. I have, he is the one who pardons all your iniquities. He is the one who heals all your diseases. He is the one who redeems your life from the pit. He is the one who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He is the one who satisfies your years with good things. He is the one who performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Um, I was impressed by the word all that showed up in the verses, and I've highlighted those words just uh, for emphasis. Please have one person read uh, verses 7 and 8 from the page. He has made known his ways to Moses and Israel. He is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. Oh, sorry. Have them read 7, 8, and 9. I've, I've got some... Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to read the marks. Um, okay, so he will not always strive, chide, 
accuse or keep his anger forever. All right, so that's one person reading 7, 8, and 9. And then one person read 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. And um, you hopefully can see from the phrases at the beginning, he has not, da, 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 because, but because, because, because. So our minds, it would really be helpful if we understand, and they won't read it this way, but you may, may or may not make a mention of this. He has not dealt with us according to our sins and iniquities because his loving kindness is great to those who fear him. And then look at 10 again. He has not dealt with us according to our sins and iniquities because, verse 12, he has removed our transgressions completely away. Um, 10 again. He has not dealt with us according to our sins and iniquities. Verse 13. Because he has compassion on those who fear him. And then again, 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins and iniquities because he knows our frame. We are dust. That's very interesting. That because there is a because there, but it also connects to verse 15 and 16. So now let's have one person read verse 15 and 16. And you could say that, come, you could preface their reading that these verses show what man is compared to God. Mankind is one who has a short life. It's like grass. It's like a flower. Because, and then this is just a continuation of that explanation. Like grass and flowers, uh, man's life disappears. That may have been a little more challenging for someone to write out. I know I paused and had to get my mind around it and how to even put it on the page. And these are my summaries. The words don't have to be exactly what I'm saying, but the concept is close and it's all based on the scriptures that are in front of us, right? Now have one person read 17 and 18. But the Lord is the one who gives his loving kindness from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him, to those who keep his covenant, and to those who remember to do his precepts. And then one person read verse 19. The Lord has established his throne. His, he sovereignly rules over all. And again, this all stood out to me there. And you can see it connects to the next three verses, which we've already read, but you might just uh, show the connection or mention that Verse 19 sets the stage for um, his sovereign rule over all, so all are to praise him. That's what's going on there. So we are to praise him individually, and everyone, everything, all his creation is to praise him. And he is worthy of this praise. We know that. At the top of page 155. In order to have a little preface to the first question you're going to ask, you can either read what's in the box or um, I have this note. This psalm is about praising God and thanking him for what he does. So that's a little bit of a summary of what we've talked through. Um, so would you describe yourself as a thankful person? Why or why not? <laughs> I'm like, yes and no. I'm truly thankful, um, but I don't express it often enough to the Lord or to other people. 
We looked up the definition of bless, and that's the Hebrew word barak. Definition is to kneel, bless, praise, can be used to curse. This is an act of adoration. And then we have the next question. This psalm shows us so many reasons to bless the Lord and to give Him thanks. Based on the overview above, which of God's actions towards us is most emphasized? I have that it's His loving kindness. Um, and that's hesed, which we're about to look up. And it's His loving kindness, which leads Him to forgive us. So if forgiveness is uh, mentioned, I guess it's these two uh and some people, depending on their translation or what has stood out to them, if they have a different answer, then that's that's okay. <laughs> uh, but we'll just it's all going to be good because everything that's said about the Lord is good. Now we will emphasize pretty much what I was just talking about. The two words that are repeated throughout this psalm are below. We look them up compassion, and loving kindness. So what is the Hebrew word for compassion? Racham. You can just racham. And the Hebrew definition, the first phrase that I found is surprising. Um, it was to fondle, but this is with love and loving deeply. And it is used of a mother's love for a nursing baby. So that's the way you should think of that phrase. Having compassion, having mercy. Interesting statement I found. Uh, this is used infrequently of men, but it is used to describe a father's love. So hopefully you can get that this definitely has a nurturing, deeply loving, committed concept to it. And one more thing about this word. It is usually... Um, action from a superior to an inferior. So again, you can see the mother-father taking care of a little child kind of concept is really, really appropriate for, for this word. Then our next word, loving kindness, we've looked at before. It is hesed and uh, definitions. Kindness, loving kindness can mean beauty, favor, a good deed. We looked up this word, and then we have notes in our workbook on page 29 and 30 and page 40. And I made that note so I could turn back if I needed to or wanted to. On page 29, um, that was the first time we actually looked it up. Steadfast love, loyalty, covenant loyalty. But if you turn the page to 30, then we have some statements just to remember and I've highlighted these in a different color so I would know I'm looking for them when I go back to it for this discussion. Divine Hesed saves people from disaster or oppressors and we turn to God to plead for him to save us according to his Hesed um, and it is new at each new crisis. So those phrases do relate to the Lord's hesed forgiving us of our sins because he's saving us from the ultimate crisis and disaster and trouble, which puts it too mildly that we find ourselves in. 
uh, one other thing on page 40. Uh, Hesed is, to, um, getting back to it. Again, I've highlighted this in the same color to match to what I have on page 155. Hesed when used, should bring to mind the promises that God made to David that he would have a descendant who would reign as king forever. So Hesed is very heavily connected to the Lord's covenant to David. That was in his language. My loving kindness will not depart from you. Um, so the word Hesed I, we've used it. I've mentioned it a lot of times. I've even been hearing it in my church services over the past uh, year mentioned while we've been in Psalms. It's been coming up. So I hope that ladies are getting used to hearing that word and knowing how important the concept of hesed is. And it is very closely related to our New Testament word of grace. It... Um, is God's character. He is a God of hesed. He is a God of loving kindness. Hesed, his loving kindness, saves us from disasters. And hesed reminds us of God's covenant, his promises. So we that's um, comforting, right? So talking about hesed. Now I'm turning the page to 156. What did the Lord say about himself? Well, he told us about his hesed. We'll see that in Exodus 20, 5 and 6. He said, Don't worship other gods because I am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of fathers to children to the third and fourth generation who hate me, but showing mercy, that's hesed, to thousands who, and to those who love me and keep my commandments. Um, that verse and the ones to come often cause issues with like hey is god uh, punishing the children for their father's sin but the third and fourth generation hate the lord so they are uh reaping the consequences of their own sin and that's not the main point that we want to bring out from this verse but in case someone asks that's what you would want to notice in Exodus 34, 6 through 8, the Lord passed by Moses and said, The Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. Mercy is the hesed. This is the statement that God made about himself that is quoted over and over and over and over again. It's quoted so many times in the Psalms, but... Um, that's a basis of our understanding of his character in addition to when he said, I am that I am, and that he is holy. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know that the Lord your God is the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy, hesed, for a thousand generations, with those who love him and keep his commandments. So I asked the question, punishment or pardon, which do you deserve? And um, hopefully everyone says they deserve punishment. We, we were born in sin, we sin, and we keep on sinning even when we're saved. We deserve punishment, but the gift of God 
is grace and salvation and forgiveness. Um, in the middle of the italicized paragraph, I have a couple of statements. Superlatives are in order here. And that is a pretty good follow-up to the question of whether you deserve punishment or pardon. Um, we receive pardon instead of punishment. So, wow. Only the most extravagant images can begin to express how God treats sin and sinners. And that is said there because God has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Wow. Under the box, who will receive the benefits of God's grace? We can turn that into a question. And the answer is, the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. You know, it takes fearing the Lord because he is holy and a God of power and wrath and he's king and he's God of justice. So you got to fear him for who he is to know that he will take out his wrath on sin. So we need to be saved from his wrath. And then we fear him with awe and reverence in thanksgiving and blessing him because he saves us. He himself saves us from his own wrath. Wow. You're probably going to say that a lot, I think, um, and in the Psalms to come. What do those who fear the Lord do according to Psalm 103, verse 18? They keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. So this is knowing what God has said, knowing what he wants, living according to his ways. It's, um, I'm just thinking about covenant and precepts, and we don't want it to be stuck on, on Ten Commandments. That is what would come to mind here, but the Ten Commandments are bigger. God's covenant and his precepts are, are bigger than a list of rules. Bigger might not be the best word to say there, but the, the bottom line of their concept is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus told us all the law hangs on that, those two concepts. Well, that is Psalm 103. And it is a delightful, wonderful psalm that um, I hope everyone enjoyed reading through. And then we come to Psalms 105 and 106, page 157. The last sentence of that first italicized paragraph, the psalms found in book four show that Israel realized that the Lord himself was their king forever, and they show that he will be faithful to his covenant. Psalm 105 tells us to remember. That is the huge statement in Psalm 105. Remember what God has done on their behalf and why. Because remembering his incredible works in the past should give them hope for the future. This is, um, I know you read through this and there weren't a lot of activities, but I have highlighted and made a lot of comments on my pages. So I'm going to walk you through some comments 
as we lead our ladies to look through this section, uh, through this psalm again. Psalm 105 opens with instructions. If you want to have somebody read that, because it just encourages us um, appropriately, then you can have them read it, or you can read it. Or you can just say, it opens with instructions, and one of them is, speak of all his wonders. I mentioned previously, but I want to highlight again, because this psalm is all about God's wonders. These are things that are unusual. They are beyond human capabilities. I looked that up from the word wonder itself. So this is totally a supernatural action, a miracle, a wonder. It also causes us to um, be in awe of the action. And it brings that wow factor to us again. At the top of 158, you might write this note. Um, as what you're going to tell the group we're going to do. Let's look at each section and notice the wonders which we are to remember. Now, the Israelites are the one that this psalm is speaking to back then, but they were to remember, there was a purpose in them needing to remember God's wonders. There's a purpose in us remembering God's wonders. We learn from them as well. Um, In the first section... Um, well, it's repeated. Verse 5, I highlighted it. Remember his wonders, which he has done, his marvels, and the judgments uttered by his mouth. So his wonders are things that he has done and what he has said. That's going to come into play in the next section. Um, Ask this question. And this is on a sticky note on my page. (laughs) Look at verse 6. How should the people of Israel see themselves? And the answer is, they are the seed of Abraham. They are his servants, God's servants. They are the sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. Remember, we're in book four. Book three has happened, the crisis of Israel. They are um, distraught in exile, but they are God's servants. They are his chosen ones. You know when you're down that it is so encouraging and important to remember who you are to God. He knows you and he loves you. In the next section, this whole statement shows a wonder, an amazing thing God did. He commanded uh, to a thousand generations a covenant. So on a sticky note, I have asked this question in verse 9 and 10. Who did God make his covenant with? And it's really pretty cool to see. And this is some, I've highlighted it kind of with steps underlining in my book. The covenant, his oath, he confirmed it, an everlasting covenant. And who did he make that with? The covenant was with Abraham. His oath was to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob. Oh, and to Israel. He made an everlasting covenant. He said, The same thing to everyone. What did he say? That's the next question. Um, In verse 11, what did God promise to you? He said it first to Abraham, but he said it to Isaac, Jacob, and Israel. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. Um, 
All of that is considered a wonder. In the next section, this is what they're to remember. This is the, the wonder. Wow. And I've, for some reason, the box. Abraham wandered and God protected him. So this section is about Abraham. And what did he say about Abraham? Don't touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. He protected Abraham. And when you remember the stories of Abraham and what he did, it is. It was quite a wonder, amazing things that God did as he protected Abraham. In the next section, verses 16 through 20, what are we to remember? Who called for a famine upon the land? God did. Uh, who is this part of the story about? Joseph. The famine in Egypt was a part of God's plan, and it put Joseph in power. We're going to see that in the next section more clearly. Um, Joseph, according to verse 18, 17 and 18, was imprisoned. We know that. What happens here in this psalm is that Joseph is an example to all Israelites and to us to wait on the Lord to bring his word to pass. And there's a particular phrase in verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass. So God had made a promise to Joseph. And then God spoke to Joseph in the prison with those dreams. Um, and Joseph had to wait until God's timing came about to be released. So that's a message to the Israelites here to remember that and remember the amazing ways that God um, took care of and used and moved Joseph around and the miracles that he did and the dreams that he had. Remember what God did in Joseph's life. And go to the top of page 159. Remember what he did with Joseph in Egypt. He made him Lord over the house. The Pharaoh, well, you know what? I have Pharaoh made him Lord of his house, but I, it could be God, and I'm not exactly sure in verse 21 whether he is Pharaoh or God. But it's him, Joseph, Lord over the house and ruler over all his possessions. Seems like that's got to be Pharaoh. But anyway, um, I have noted, um, just as I was reading through this, every single one of these verses is a wonder. Like, oh my goodness. The Pharaoh took this, like, country boy that was nobody, not an Egyptian, and he made him second in command over all of Egypt. He had the power to imprison princes and teach others. And then God made way for Israel to come into Egypt. The shepherds, the Egyptians didn't even like shepherds. And then what? 24, God made his people become very fruitful and made them stronger than their adversaries. And now verse, um, the adversaries are the ones in verse 25 that he turned their heart to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. So the Egyptians hated Israel, but that in itself is another note to the Israelites, but it's a good note to us right now today. God's allowance of the hardship that Israel suffered in Egypt 
had a purpose. And God was good to his people. He took care of his people. Even in their suffering, he was caring for them and providing for them. And they grew stronger um, under that suffering. So if we're suffering today, um, individually, in circumstances in our own lives, or in our country as believers, then God is allowing this for a purpose. And we can cling to him and trust him. And remember his wonders. This is a good psalm for us to be in, to remember the wonders of God. Now, I know, some of us may want to see God bring some plagues on things, but um, let's pray for our enemies. Um, this was pretty rough uh, for the next section of what Egypt had to go through. And they certainly saw God's power. The plagues are mentioned here. Verse 27, um, Moses and Aaron performed God's wondrous acts and his miracles in the land of Ham. That's Egypt. The plagues are not named in their chronological order, and all ten are not named. I needed to last time I did this study and this time as well. Got sidetracked and had to go hunt down the ten plagues and list them in order so that oh my, I don't know why they are not in the order that they happened. So anyway, just if you haven't done that and if you want to know, I will tell you. the In order, here's what they were. Water turned to blood, frogs, lice or gnats, flies, disease on the livestock, cows, uh, boils, Hail and lightning, locusts, darkness over the land, and then death of the firstborn. So everything is named except for the disease on the livestock and the boils. Uh, yep. But So the plagues were um, quite the wonder that Israel is to remember. And then what happened? Verse 37, the Lord brought them out with silver and gold among his tribes. There was not one who stumbled. Another wonder. And why would verse 39 be very helpful for the Israelites to remember when they're in exile? God spread a cloud for a covering, covering and a fire to illumine by night. That's the presence of God for the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness. So the Israelites can look to God to um, experience and know his presence with them in exile. And we turn to page 160 and um, verse 42 says, He remembered his holy word with Abraham his servant and... Um, well, I mean, it's all really good here. <laughs> he brought forth his people with joy, his chosen ones with a joyful shout. He gave them also the lands of the nations that they might take possession of the fruit of the people's labor so that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Uh, this is a positive memory of God's good works, his wonders, and the amazing things he did. It's a positive memory. God kept his word. And he brought the nation into the promised land. 
Now, in exile, someone could, an Israelite could remember this with bitterness. I'm like, God, you brought us out of Egypt and you brought us into the promised land. Now you've taken us out. But that's not the attitude here. (laughs) This is a positive memory to have a positive impact. God promised the nation, promised the land to the Israelites. And he, in his prophecy to them that he was going to send them into exile, also promised to return them. So this psalm is to review the wonders of God and to remember everything that he did, that really everything is surprising, uh, supernatural, protection of his people, carrying out his word, keeping his word, and he always does that. He will do it again. So the Israelites in exile have the promise that he will return them to the land so they can anticipate that too. Then we come to the personal question. What mighty works has the Lord done in your life that it's important for you to remember? And just, you know, open the door, talk about it. And uh, I just, you know, we can keep on thinking of one thing after another in our own lives that the Lord has done for us. Then we come to this talisized paragraph. The last psalm of book four. It's one of the longest confessions of sin in the Bible. The placement at this point in the book of Psalms shows that the nation realized that the destruction of Jerusalem, temple and kingdom, were a result of their sin against God. So 105 and 106, they go together. But it's fascinating that 105 remembers all these great things. 106 emphasizes, oh, God did all these great things, and look what, look how we responded horribly. So now, another thing you might want to, you may have room on your page to write this, where you were to highlight and mark confessions of sins and then characters and actions of the Lord. Let's first discuss and go over the sins that were highlighted. So on a sticky note, Here's what I've written to myself. Go through the names of sins highlighted. And then once you've walked through those sins, in the middle of page 63, go ahead and ask the question at the end of the Psalms based on God, on who God is and how he treated his people. Was there any reason for those sins? And then examine your own life. So we're going to deal with the sin factor first. And then we're going to start over again. And emphasize walk through the highlighted character and actions of God and that'll bring us on to um, moving towards the end of the page okay so confessions of sin mine started uh, highlights start on page 161 verse 6 we have sinned like our fathers we have committed iniquity we have behaved wickedly our Um, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They didn't remember, um, but they rebelled. So right there, the sinning like our fathers shows that the current Israelites are saying they didn't understand, they didn't remember, they rebelled. And then uh, verse 13 They quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. 
but craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. I didn't uh, give you any uh, suggestions on how to have the ladies, um, how you will go over these. Maybe going around circle is good and just say, what's the first what are the what's the first sin that you highlighted here um and then move to the second or the, what's the first group of sins or the first verses maybe that's the best way to say it what are the first verses that you highlighted please read those that describe the sin um and then move to the next person what what did you see next cuz now I'm at the next section 13 14 i want to talk to you about forgetting this word means forget, just like you think, and ignore. So it is showing a lack of interest. It shows a lack of respect. It shows that there's a lack of thanksgiving, um, a lack of priority. And in my um, one of my resources, it says to forget God is to challenge him. That comes from the, uh, they forgot his work. They did not wait for his counsel. They just did their own thing. As if he's not important. So forgetting God is not a oops. It's really thinking more of yourself or something else. And not revering him as he deserves. The next thing of sin highlighted verse 16 and 17 or I'm sorry 16 they became envious of Moses and the next one is in 19 and 20 they made a calf and worshipped a molten image they exchanged their glory for the image of an ox God is their God God is their glory and they exchanged God for a calf uh, verse 21 they forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Verse 24, they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his word. Verse 25, they grumbled in their tents. They did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Verse 28, they joined themselves to Baal pure, ate sacrifices off to the dead. They provoked him to anger with their deeds. So that's idolatry. Verse 32, they provoked him to wrath because, verse 33, they were rebellious against his spirit. He spoke rashly with his lips. Uh, oh, Moses spoke rashly. Moses was in trouble. And then, wow, all of 34, almost kind of feels like the rest of the page. I won't read it all, but 34 through 39 describe times of the judges all the things that they did and 40 and 41 are telling the reaction of the Lord and that 43 is the um, one of the keys that helps us see this many times he would deliver them the cycle of disobedience and deliverance in the book of Judges he would deliver them, however, they were rebellious and they sank down in their iniquity. So the sin just kept going and going and going. And uh, that's the end of the comments on sin.
So, back to the question. Based on who God is and how he treated his people, were there any reason for these sins? No, no, no. It's appropriate to say it three times. And then based on, we were to examine our own lives. Based on who God is and how he treats you, is there any reason for you to commit these sins? No. And is there anything you need to confess to the Lord? Again, you don't have to put anybody on the spot. Does anybody want to share anything that, you know, just was uh, um, a good exhortation to anyone? And now let's go back and look at the good stuff of uh, who God is. And some of it, while it's good, there may be some hard things that we see about God as well. We never like to emphasize and we don't enjoy seeing him carry out his wrath. But we will see that in this psalm. So what are the character and actions of the Lord? Well, we give thanks. Verse 1, give thanks. He is good. His loving kindness, Hesed, is everlasting. He does mighty deeds, verse 2. Verse 4, he has favor towards his people. He gives his salvation. And there may be more highlights from people. And again, uh, you could just go around the room and say, you know, share a verse or two. Let's try to go in order of the psalm and um, share what you've highlighted and if you if someone didn't say something that you want to bring up then feel free to go back to that in verse 7 it talks about God's abundant kindnesses and in verse 8 he saved them for the sake of his name that he might make his power known so he has a reputation and power he rebuked the Red Sea and dried it up a wonder verse 10 he saved them from the hand of the one who hated them. God saved them. He delivered them. Then I go down to verse 15. He gave them their request, but sent a wasting disease among them. So he, he heard them and he responded to them. He acted, but he also knew that they needed discipline. Again, there's now uh, consequences for the sin when they became envious of uh, Moses and Aaron. Verse 17, what did God do? The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and engulfed the company of Abiram. A fire blazed up in their company. The flame consumed the wicked. It doesn't actually say God did this, so that may not have stood up, stood out to anyone as character of the Lord, but it is the wrath of God in action in response to the sin of envy. Um, verse 21 God did great things in Egypt, wonders in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. That sounds just like what I said in something else, but that's okay. I feel like I've said that recently, exactly. Um, page 162. 20, verse 26, he swore to them he would cast them down in the wilderness. So God told them what he was going to do. Uh, a plague broke out in verse 29 because he provoked God. They provoked God to anger. Um, and then when Phineas interceded, the plague was stayed. So that's God holding back the plague. 
Again, the wrath of God is shown in verse 32. They provoked him to wrath. Um, and then I can't, went down to verse 40. The anger of the Lord was kindled against his people. He abhorred his her inheritance. He gave them into the hand of the nations. This is during the time of Judges when he would let the other nations around them oppress Israel. That's what that's verse 42 says. 43, many times he would deliver them. Now it gets better and better. Verse 44, the top of page 163. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. He remembered his covenant for their sake and relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness. He also made them objects of compassion in the presence of all their captors. Verse 47. Save us, O Lord, our God. So just the name of God is here, Yahweh, Elohim. Gather us from the nations to give thanks to your holy name. So here they have confessed their sins. They are saying we need salvation from the, our sin and consequences of our sin. They are acknowledging his holiness and praising him. And what is the, um, what's the purpose? What are they confessing their sin for? They're in trouble. That's bad. But they know there's more. They confess their sin. They are repentant and want to change from their behavior to do what? Verse 47, to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. So, this is it's very short, but it is emphasizing we want to honor and worship you and be your people the way we should be. You deserve thanks, and, and we want to praise you. And then they do praise him. Close this. Um, this is doxology, the end of 48, verse 48. So that's talking through the character and actions of God. And the way that this psalm um, concludes, I have given some fill-in-the-blanks to emphasize what this psalm is emphasizing as a whole. Yes, we've emphasized the sin, but have someone read the fill-in-the-blanks at the bottom of page 163. Praise the Lord. Remember me, O Lord, in your favor toward your people. Visit me with your salvation. Save us, O Lord our God. And that's going to take you to the next question on page 164. You don't have to read what's at the top yet. The fill in the blank there. Save that. What does Israel realize they need? Based on Psalm 106, why do they need it? There could be a variety of answers to this question basically they realize they need salvation they need to return to the lord they need forgiveness of their sins why do they need this well because of their sin but also because of who the lord is he is the holy one he is god he has done wonders he has shown his loving kindness he is holy so um, there are a lot of answers there. 
leaders, I think you can close this lesson by reading the doxology that you've got the fill in the blanks for at the top of page 164. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. This is a hallelujah psalm. And in the box, you can. the last thing to say is that even though Israel had broken the covenant, Yahweh was faithfully compassionate. And another historical miracle was yet possible. So we've seen historical miracles named in 105 and 106. And they're in trouble and they need another miracle because of their sin and their situation in exile. But they can praise him now. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope it's not too complicated for you to discuss. And um, I'm sure you'll do a great job. And these psalms are very meaningful. Thank you for your preparation and your leadership in your groups. Have a good time. Thanks. Thanks for listening. My in-depth Bible study workbooks on Job, Psalms, Ezekiel, Matthew, Ephesians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and Hebrews are available on Amazon. My coordinating lectures are available on my website and YouTube and other podcast episodes. I pray that God's Word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path.